Today, we talk about how to monetize Instagram, why storytelling is critical to building a following, and why being yourself is the surest way to stand out and find your true fans. Next on Making Bacon. So hey there, I'm Jason Logston, and this is Making Bacon, all about helping you serve your fans, grow your income, and get the most out of your blog. Today's episode is brought to you by the Expert Video Roundup. If you worry you're not getting the most out of your brand partnerships, you're tired of signing one-off deals and feeling like you aren't making as much as you could, I think we are all in that boat, then let the experts at the Expert Video Roundup show you the way. It's all about working with brands. It's an event that I'm co-hosting with Megan Porta from Eat Blog Talk. We brought together some experts from both sides of the aisle, including Jenny Melrose, Sandy Markle, Sally Eckes, Christina Peters, Yvette Marquez-Sharpnack, Doug Piper, Kathy Hester, and many more. The event's going to be live on March 6th, and it's free to view live. The video is going to be up 24 hours, so if you're in a different time zone or overseas, you can still catch it for free. And you can sign up for that at evrshow.com brands. And remember, you can join us live every Thursday when we record these episodes. You can ask the guest questions, talk to the other bloggers in the comments, and even see our smiling faces. So join us Thursdays at makethatbacon.com slash live or search for Making Bacon on your favorite podcast platform. Now, on to the show. As bloggers, we know we have fans on Instagram, but we often struggle to reach them. And oftentimes during the process, we lose track of what makes us us and what makes our brands unique. Luckily, today's guest is the perfect person to help us get back on track. She launched her business, TBCo, in 2018 with an Instagram page and a dream. Two years later, she scaled it to a six-figure business alongside her nine-to-five job. At TBCo, their mission is to strengthen the influence, visibility, and credibility of women and queer-owned brands to strengthen the future prosperity of marginalized individuals and the BIPOC community. I can't wait to learn from today's guest, Tamika Bazil, Instagram brand strategist and CEO of TV Co. Tamika, welcome to Making Bacon. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you joining me. We, I saw your presentation at the IFBC and there was great, great information you shared. And I've been following you on Instagram since then. And you always have such a unique take on things that I'm very <laughs> excited to dive into it. But before we get started on Instagram and being yourself, I always like to ask, what is it like around your dinner table on a typical day? <laughs> That's such a good question. So I'm actually of Haitian descent. My parents emigrated here from Haiti and I'm first generation. So a lot of my meals are very Caribbean based. So I would say an average meal here. My partner, who is African-American, has learned to love rasta pasta, which is essentially a rendition of what you may know as Alfredo, but we um, create it with jerk sauce. So it has like a little bit of a smoky, spicy tinge to it. So that's really popular around the dinner table. Also plantains. I don't know if you're familiar, but plantains are a type of banana that we usually fry. We deep fry it and flatten it and we are able to eat it that way. So around the dinner table, you're definitely going to find some Haitian cuisine, but more likely than not, it's going to be Caribbean based. I love that. I feel like Alfredo, while I love it, can often be like one note kind of for a large (laughs) amount of pasta and add in that jerk seasoning to it would just kind of help it spread a lot longer. Yeah, we we tend to add like jerk seasoning, a little bit of coconut milk, like definitely changes the vibe a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A lot of food bloggers ask, 
how do I get traffic from Instagram? That's something that people always ask. We have our blogs, we try to build it, and we're always looking, how do we drive traffic? And I know you're actually a big proponent that Instagram can be used directly, whether that's for selling, mm -hmm. for partnerships, and it's not all about just driving traffic somewhere else. Can yeah. you talk about a little bit how of your approach to how bloggers can use Instagram? Yeah. So especially for anyone who's a food blogger, I would suggest predominantly being able to share their recipes in video form on Instagram. Right now, video is king. And for anyone who's familiar with Instagram, Reels has completely taken over the platform. It's an absolutely fun way not only to be able to connect with your audience, but to be able to relate information in that's very easily digestible. Reels at any given point are upwards to about 30 seconds long if that. So between 15 and 30 seconds for you to be able to connect with your audience and make an impact is absolutely incredible. So for anyone who is a food, a food blogger um, and who may be kind of dabbling with video in relation to their blog, cut that up, place it into a reel and watch your visibility skyrocket. That's one thing you talk a lot about is trying to repurpose content that you can have a successful Instagram strategy without having to necessarily sit down and spend another yeah. another 10 hours of time that we all have, right? Every, every <laughs> week, so just excess time to do uh, more work that you can take what you're currently doing and really use that to push forward, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, for sure. I am a big proponent of over overcoming burnout and just kind of stay trying to stay away from it as a content creator. Burnout is something that we tend to normalize because we're like, oh, eventually we're going to get tired of entertaining these people on Instagram and always having to show up and always having to invite them into our lives. So the best way to avoid burnout is to understand how many pieces of content can I create or recreate or repurpose from this one piece of content. And for somebody who is a blogger, I would say blogs usually have enough content for you to break them up into segments to be able to create somewhere between three and five other pieces of content. So that is an incredible way not only to raise your visibility, but to avoid burnout by utilizing content that's already been written. Nice. Marielle Rock commented, she says, yes, another Caribbean person here so in Yay! the comments. Definitely, <laughs> if you're joining us, let us know where you're from. And if you have questions, throw them in the comments because we're always interested in connecting with everyone and making sure that your questions are getting answered. So if I have a post, what's the easiest way to break that out as a reel or as a story? Yeah. So if you have a post that's going out or a blog that's going out, let's say it's based on a recipe. What's your favorite recipe? I like a pork tenderloin with a bourbon barbecue glaze. Ooh, on it. that does sound really good. <laughs> so a pork tenderloin with a bourbon barbecue glaze. Without knowing anything about your recipe, I can already think of at least three other ways that you can break up that blog into sizable bits of content that you could put out on Instagram. One, the bourbon blaze, barbecue kind of glaze, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you make that? What kind of bourbon is great for you to use? How do you qualify which bourbon would taste the best in that glaze? And what makes a glaze great on pork? And that'll be content repurposed number two. What sort of glazes go great with pork in comparison to a glaze that might go great with um, a different cut of pork, like a ham or something of that nature? Also a different way to repurpose that content. What are different ways that you can recreate this recipe for maybe a vegan audience or a vegetarian audience if mm. possible? Another way to repurpose that content. And then of course, you can also just keep it as is by creating a short reel showing you cooking that actual recipe. 
and what you put in and kind of giving them a little bit of an introduction into your kitchen. That's a fourth key way that you can repurpose the content. So there are tons of different ways that you can break up your overall content as long as you know how to look at it. A lot of the time when we're the creator, we it's easier for us to see the big picture, right? So for you, you see the big picture of pork tenderloin with the glaze. That is your overall big picture. And I think for me as a content creator, and for anyone who is looking to repurpose content, it's really honing your eye to be able to see how can I break this up? Okay, like pork tenderloin, how can I make that one subject topic and break up that one subject topic and helping people understand what are the best cuts of pork tenderloin? How do I find the best ones? And then, of course, breaking up the glaze. What sort of bourbon might I be able to use? What are you mixing into the glaze? Why is this glaze go? Why does that? Why does this glaze go really, really great with pork tenderloin? And can you repurpose it for any other recipes? So it's really being able to kind of break up your content in that way and be able to utilize it in different ways to keep people engaged. And I, I feel like if you do that as soon as you're in the middle, like as soon as you finish your your post and you go to yeah. do that, like it's all in your head. You don't. Yes. It's not like this is additional research you have to do. You already yeah. know it, and you can just let it come out. Exactly. Absolutely. Especially when it comes to repurposing content, I'm a big proponent of keeping the a similar timeline. So if you know that blog post is supposed to come out this upcoming Monday on your Instagram page, make the whole week connected to cooking pork tenderloin and the different ways that you can do that and the different ways that you can utilize the glaze. So you can start off with that big overarching piece of content at the beginning of the week and then break it down towards the end of the week so that people can start to consume smaller pieces of content still related to your main related to your main point, but you just filled up about, I would say, even more than a week's worth of posts, especially if you're posting one time per day. And then when that, uh, the hero shot of the the pork tenderloin coming out with the glaze on it, the perfect yeah. shot is in your actual post. Your fans see that and go, oh, this is what they've been talking about. And yeah. this is what I want to click on and actually consume versus this is just another random thing going yes, through their feed, absolutely. right? Absolutely. And that's actually that that money shot, right? Is a perfect, perfect reel. A 30 second reel that shows kind of like the different steps to preparation and then the money shot at the end, even if you don't connect it by showing people what goes first, what goes second. Just breaking it up into this is what my chopped up garlic looks like. This is what my pork tenderloin looks like. This is what the glaze looks like when I'm preparing it. Boom, finished product. That is a perfect 30 second reel to really get your audience engaged. Richard Jensen from uh, Dallas Fort Worth. Richard's part of our sous vide uh, community, the other uh, blogging community that I run. And uh, he says, Hi from Dallas Fort Worth. He says, He barely does posts. And he was wondering, what's the difference between stories and reels? Does each yeah. have a specific benefit? And I love this question because I don't think I know the answer to that, despite <laughs> helping food bloggers move forward. You can tell how how strong my Instagram skills are that I'm not even sure. No, of course. This is actually a really, really great question, Richard. And thank you so much for asking it. When I work with clients, I always, always make sure that they completely understand all the resources that are to their disposal on Instagram, but also understand that utilizing Instagram to its best extent does not mean that you have to use every resource to its fullest capability. This is what I mean by overcoming burnout and avoiding that. So I always go into what are your goals in helping you understand what are you on Instagram for? Is it just to raise visibility and traffic to your blog? Or do you think that you might be going in a direction where you might want to sell or where you might want to increase some sort of like monetary component to it? If so, if it's the latter, stories are going to be a very big part of that. 
people want to sell to people. So showing up on stories regularly, showing your face, being able to storytell around your food blog. And when we talk about storytelling, we talk about what caused you to start this food blog. What is your relationship like with food? What has your journey been, not only starting the blog, but with truly understanding your own capabilities around food, your own kitchen, walking through your kitchen, really being able to create a connection that then fosters the enough trust for someone to be able to invest monetarily in you. Stories is a great component for that. More tangibly, the difference between stories and reels is that stories gives you one minute allotment and in terms of recording, and these recordings stay up on your page for 24 hours, which is why they are better for more quick connections, mm -hmm. especially with your direct audience. So the people who will likely be viewing your stories are more likely than not going to be your direct audience, the people who directly follow you. Reels are going to be a little bit different. Reels are kind of short clips. And for anyone who's familiar with TikTok, or a few years ago, we had something a little bit different, similar to TikTok, but also short kind of videos. Anyone who's familiar with that video style, Reels is very similar in that way. It's your ability to cut and splice together different pieces of video to create one short story that can easily be digestible in like publicly. So it goes beyond just your just your audience especially if you're utilizing hashtags in order to raise your visibility. So when I talk to people about how to utilize stories versus reels, I would say reels can be more engaging, connecting, storytelling, really a way for you to engulf people into what it is that you do in a quick way. And it's also ingested publicly, especially if you utilize hashtags in order to expand your reach. Whereas stories is definitely more creating that one-to-one -one connection and letting people know you and your story and what brought you to this place so that they are then able to build that trust in you in order to either invest more time or invest money in you. Nice. So the yeah. one is more about like, this is my community and yeah. I'm now going to talk to you directly. Yeah. And the other is more about, you know, someone that doesn't know me might come in and see this and be like, oh, this is a really cool concept. Absolutely. I want to follow them now. Yep. And for the rest of your fans are like, oh, there's, there's the dog that I love. Yeah, you know? yep, exactly. Nice. Absolutely. Uh, Lisa D is a friend of uh, Make and Bacon. She says, hello from Dallas. So we got a few Dallas people joining us here. How's it going, Lisa? And I think talking about making these connections, especially if you want to sell, is something that I've heard you talk about before. Mm -hmm. And that's that your numbers really don't matter on Instagram in some ways, as long as you are curating your audience, the right audience, and you're connecting with them in the right way. You know, 100 yeah. followers could be more valuable than... 10,000 followers if they are the right 100 followers. Can absolutely. you talk about why that is? Yes, absolutely. And that's a really, really great question. So I think of it this way, and this is really how I explain it, right? So you're in your home right now, and you've decided to host a small gathering with five friends. The friends that you're going to invite into your home, into your space, into your sanctuary, these are going to be people that you trust, that you know, and that you easily connect with. Chances of you inviting five people that you are kind of eh about <laughs> <laughs> or whom you don't have a actual tangible relationship with are pretty low because then it creates a really inauthentic connection. And this is your home. This is your space. And you want to make sure that anything that you bring into it is are things that are going to bring you peace and bring you sustainability. And that's exactly how we need to be looking at Instagram. We're creating a community that is rallying around us, our niche, what it is that we can provide them. 
And for a lot of people, that also comes with a lot of vulnerability. So you want to make sure that you are attracting people who not only identify with your story and your journey, but who are here for the right reasons. When you start playing the numbers game in terms of followers, you start to want to attract any and any and everyone. And it works against you because these people aren't here to connect with you. They're just another face in the crowd. They're just another number. So your story isn't really resonating with them. Your journey isn't resonating with them and your content isn't landing. So they're not engaging with it on a regular basis. And they're pretty much just taking up space, which then gives you a negative hit in terms of your engagement. So with Instagram, the biggest thing is being able to keep your engagement numbers up. It is so much better to have 50 people be engaged out of 75 than have 50 people be engaged out of 10,000. So you truly want to make sure that you are cultivating a community that not only feels safe with you, but that you feel safe sharing with and knowing that they are your community and that you have built a community around a certain topic. And my dog is now deciding this is the best time to drink water. <laughs> if you can That's hear right. that in the background. <laughs> That's right. I'm not sure if my dog was in the background running around. Uh, my, my wife was out. So as soon as I got started, she had just got home. So he was very excited, too, and running around wondering why I'm not excited that mom's home. I should be paying attention to her. <laughs> oh, yes. And what time you had a, a, a pit bull. Is that right? Yeah, I have an American Staffordshire Terrier. So, yeah, they're commonly known as pit bulls. But she is a little bit heavier, so she's about 73 pounds, um, whereas little pit bull terriers are usually between 40 and 50 pounds. So, yes, another thing that I am an expert at is pit bulls and dog breeds because I'm absolutely obsessed with my dog. So if you have any questions about that, ready to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) We have Ours is a mutt, but it's like a Rottweiler, Swiss Mountain Dog mutt. So it's big, sounds big. <laughs> he's, he's actually for not that big, which is yeah. nice. He's he's like fifty five pounds, so he's oh, a good awesome. medium sized dog. But he's yeah. yeah, he's an interesting character. He's very yeah. handsome, so he's got his looks going <laughs> for him. <laughs> it's okay. I think my dog is absolutely beautiful. I tell her that every day. <laughs> <laughs> when you're getting started, it can feel like you're kind of talking to the void. How do you find your people? How do you start putting this content out there, you know, with, I think, and discovering who you are along the way, you know, because most of us don't know, like, who is our Instagram profile? Is it, Mm. we can all be authentic in different ways. When I go to Mm. like the drum shop down the road for a burger, like I dress differently (laughs) than when I meet my wife for a date night, you know, it's at a fancy restaurant. They're both me, but how do you kind of work on that persona while, attracting the right people and not get carried away? Yeah, that's actually a really great question. And it's something that my partner and I joke about all the time is what does my audience see versus what is like 100% reality? So we talk often about just authenticity. And for me, a really big part of authenticity comes from the fact that I am a Black woman who previously to this worked in educational settings and truly conformed to what my expectations were of me in terms of showing up and in terms of professionalism, in terms of showing up when they expected me to, how they expected me to, (laughs) speaking the way that they expected me to, all so that I can maintain my household and make money, as many of us do on a regular basis. So when I talk about authenticity on Instagram, Me being on Instagram was an opportunity for me to shed all of that. It was an opportunity for me to create a community where I could show up 
without any of the patriarchal standards that have been placed mm-hmm. on us by society. So when I am on Instagram, I, I don't I don't worry about code switching. I don't worry about my language. I don't worry about if I drop an f bomb here or there. I don't worry about whether or not my hair is done or if it's done in a way that people think is professional. Because again, as a black woman, not everyone thinks braids are professional. Not everyone thinks an afro is professional. And these are things that I was, I didn't realize that I was shedding over time, but I ultimately did because the beauty about ownership and the beauty about creating your own community is that there is absolutely no expectation (laughs) as to how you build that community. There's absolutely only what you hold yourself to. That is the only thing that you are held to in terms of your standards. So when we talk about authenticity, that is a big one for me is who are you absolutely unapologetically and how can you leverage those aspects of your identity, your culture, in order to create a community that also celebrates those same elements. So for anyone who is a food blogger, in terms of understanding who it is that you're trying to reach and of course, what intersections of your identity you might want to invite them into, apart from just what you're blogging about in terms of food, it's also truly understanding your own story. What is my story related to food? Where does this come from for me? Like with your first question, if I was a food blogger, a lot of my content would be around my being raised in a Haitian household. It's the foundations of how I cook my food. It's the foundation of what types of food I buy from the supermarket. It even affects me to the point of knowing where I'm going to live. Because if I live in an area that does not have an ethnic food store, it will be very difficult for me to be able to buy the foods that I know I want to cook. And it, it's so, it, it's hard for us to realize how different things bleed into our lives. But it's that sort of authenticity that your audience is definitely going to want to see in you. And really being able to open up and talk about those aspects and relate pretty much is a really, really big way to being able to raise your visibility and your profile on Instagram. In terms of talking to the void, that's a big one. And I want to challenge that mindset a little bit because a lot of people, especially when starting out, they're like, I'm not talking to anyone. The reality of it is that you're always talking to someone. If you have a clear idea as to who your ideal or your target audience is, who is it that you want to be consuming your content the most? And that person might be just like you. And that's okay. You can talk directly to someone who is just like you. When I hop on Instagram, I am talking to BIPOC and queer women entrepreneurs. I fall into both those categories. I'm also talking to women who are either building their business along their, alongside their nine to five or want to build a business alongside their nine to five. That is also me because that is something that I experienced. And that's how I started my own business. So when I'm speaking, I'm speaking from experience, but I'm also speaking to who I was two and a half years ago. So I make sure that I make that direct connection. I make sure that I say you, because the person who is then intaking the content, when they relate, it's going to feel like you're talking specifically to them. So if you have a clear idea as to who you're speaking to and what they need from you and how your content can serve them, it is very easy to just get into the mindset of, I am speaking directly to this person. And it makes it so much easier to just show up. It takes away all of the overthinking that comes with, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Once you decide, this is who I'm talking to, and this is the problem that I know they're having, or this is the question that I know they have, it's very easy to show up and say, hey, I know you're struggling with this. 
this is how I can help you and just go from there. I do like talking to food bloggers that there seem to be like two camps. One is like, what if I'm just talking and no one shows up? And the other is like, what if people show up and I embarrass myself because I don't know what I'm doing? <laughs> it's like, you can't be scared of both of them at the same yes, time. You exactly. Know? Exactly. And also just learning to push past fear. I don't do anything without fear. And, and that's another mindset obstacle that I'm constantly working on overcoming. Even after two and a half years of being on Instagram, I still get nervous. Especially when I know I'm going to say something outrageous or completely out of pocket. And I'm like, okay, like, I know this is my truth, <laughs> but it's still nerve wracking to show up in a, in a public space and, and show up unapologetically. And the reality of it is, is that these are mindset issues that have been instilled in us because the way of the way our society functions, our society functions to stifle authenticity. Our society functions to create people who are very cookie cutter images of what they deem to be professional and acceptable. Anyone who in any way goes outside of what society says is the norm is pushing the envelope. So for anyone who does decide to do this on a regular basis and show up with authenticity and do it according to their standards for the both of us as entrepreneurs, we are pushing the envelope. Society didn't tell us to become entrepreneurs. They told us to get a job and pay taxes. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Memorize our um, history facts and so we exactly. can pass the, the test. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. And we have decided that that's not the lifestyle that we want to embody. So we have chosen to forge our own way. Living in your truth and living in that authenticity is always going to be nerve wracking, but you do have to learn to function with and alongside fear instead of letting it overcome you. I was actually talking about fear earlier today with a, another podcaster who was nervous about an interview. And mm. I was telling her that my take on it is I, I've been doing improv for the last four years now. Okay. I was, I'm not an actor. I have no like theater training, like none of this, yeah. but I was starting to get into public speaking. And I thought I took some classes and one or two of them were like improv based. And so that, that got me mm. into this whole improv. And now I've like performed in New York on stages. Hey. Like it's re really weird. But I That's love incredible. it. That's incredible. I don't improv is really hard. <laughs> it's, it's definitely challenging. And it's it's pushed me forward a lot in my business. Yeah. But it's the one thing that one of the things big takeaways for me is now I get like super nervous like I always do. And it's like, yeah, that's because I'm about to go on. Yeah, yeah I'm very nervous. So my stomach hurts. I'm yeah. about to start. Yep. Like that's oh, what yeah. and my, my hands are getting sweaty. Like yeah. it's just, just what happens, but yeah. it no longer and it doesn't matter how good you are at it. Right. Yeah. Like you can do it a hundred million times and still like the imposter syndrome in the back of your head is like, nag, nag, nag. And it's just so normal. I feel like if we talked more about fear, people would realize how, how normal it is and how much we all have it. Yep. It's just like, yeah. it's there. You still have to go out and do this thing and exactly. let's go out there and do it, even though we're nervous. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But Richard had a follow-up. He said, yeah. with stories being of limited lifespan, how frequently do you have to add new content to keep your community engaged? And especially mm -hmm. with you talking about a burnout factor that you don't want to dive into it and try to create too much originally. Yeah, that's actually a really, really great question, Richard. And in regard to experiencing burnout, a big way that I overcome this is learning to automate my posts and automate my content. 
beforehand. So especially once you start to create in a, a certain amount of content, and I know for a lot of you who are already food bloggers, you probably already have tons of blogs that have come out beforehand. So you already have a ton of pre, <laughs> pre-created content to, to start posting to Instagram. So what I like to do is I like to take one day, and for me, that's usually Wednesdays or Thursdays. I sit down and I batch my content for the next seven to 10 days. So when I batch my content, I batch feed content. I create a few videos if I do know I want to show up on video. And that also consists of me like changing shirts to make it look like it's a different day, (laughs) even though it's not. And then, of course, I automate that content to go out on specific days. So those are great for things like what goes up on your feed, for Instagram TV videos. And even a reel can be pre-created, but it can't be automated to go out beforehand. So a little bit with that. Whereas with stories, I give myself a lot more informality around stories. And I give myself a lot more space to really show up however the day needs me to. So the nice thing about stories is that I can wake up today and have something that pops into my mind and just hop on stories and talk about it. Of course, there are going to be some correlating aspects to how you use stories and what sort of content might go out. So if I know that today's content is going to be around a certain topic, I will make sure that I support that topic and that knowledge by talking about it in my stories. But my stories is really, for me, a way for people to connect with my life and with my day to day. So it really isn't something that I can experience burnout from because one, I exist every day. (laughs) And two, (laughs) I don't need to batch the content because it doesn't need to be anything that is formal or expected, if that makes sense. Now, what can create a nice branded experience for you when you are utilizing stories, because a big thing is brand uniformity, especially on Instagram. Whatever it is that you share, you want to make sure that it has your logo, it has your at name, it has whatever identifier it needs to have in order for people to be able to trace it back to your brand. If you are someone who uses specific colors, or if you have some sort of brand identity kit, you'll definitely want to make use of that for your Instagram because Instagram is very much also about cohesion. And we want to make sure that your brand gets all of the recognition for all of the information that comes out of it. So I do like to keep some of my stories branded by creating some pre-created graphics that kind of put out certain tidbits of information, quick things that I can just upload to my stories by saving the photos in my phone and then just uploading them on a regular basis to my stories. So one of those things for me is how people can work with me. So work my work with me graphic, that's something that I can share a few times a week. I don't have to think about it. It's just, oh, let me share that graphic today. And it's already pre-created and it's in my phone. Another thing that I do is I create graphics related to certain situations. So if I know that I might be doing an Instagram Live, I have a blank Instagram Live graphic that I keep in my phone that I'm like, hey, I'm going live today. Let me just go ahead and throw up that graphic, let them know what the topic is, and boom, you created a branded experience. So there are some ways that you can pre-prepare for your Instagram stories, but for the most part, it's going to be something that ebbs and flows day to day, just like you. So you're saying that since I do two weekly podcasts, I should probably come up with a, here's this week's podcast guest generic graphic that has space at the bottom that I can just type in who the guest is and share it. absolutely. That is a really, really great idea. Kind of dumb that I haven't done that. (laughs) (laughs) Now that you say it, that's, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. (laughs) No, it's absolutely okay. Yeah, especially when you know things like that are going to be happening on a regular basis. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then people start to recognize those graphics, right? 
people start to recognize it as something that regularly goes up. Like, oh yeah, like Jason has a new guest coming up. Like, I want to be there for that. And that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing with brand uniformity is the recognition and it being recognizable to your audience. And to your earlier point, that's because you talk a lot about storytelling and you were talking about like with the the pork tenderloin storytelling Mm -hmm. for this, I could share on stories that like, oh, you know, doing some research for Tamika, who's coming up on Thursday, found this interesting post or found this tidbit or share those things that I'm doing along the process of getting ready for the podcast that would also be promoting it while just sharing content. And so it's not in a marketing salesy way. It's just a here's what I'm currently working on, everyone. And it happens to be supporting something mm-hmm. that's coming down the road. Yeah, yeah, of course, exactly. And especially if you know that you have something coming down the road that is related to either like a reoccurring situation or even if it's something absolutely new, learning to use kind of branded experiences to support that is definitely, definitely an important part of maintaining a brand that is easily recognizable on the platform, but also is something that your specific audience can start to refer to and relate to and pretty much see on a regular basis. Despite doing a lot of live content, I don't do stories yet. And that's something I need to start diving more into because it's simple to do. And I need to do that, especially to to promote the other things I have going on like this. Talking about storytelling, ways that food bloggers can really craft stories in something that is especially a graphical medium normally. Yeah. So with, with Instagram, the visual that you share is super duper important. And the amazing thing is that a lot of people who have used Instagram have figured out ways to incorporate fun visuals but still be able to use either captions or their visuals in order to tell stories. So a big thing that's popular right now on Instagram are carousel posts. I would have to say carousel posts, which is when you can post up to 10 slides in one post that people can just flip through. And reels are pretty much the two most popular ways to utilize Instagram right now. They are algorithm friendly. And what I mean by algorithm friendly is the algorithm really wants to see them. So a really good one will get a lot of push. So when it comes to storytelling, I've actually utilized carousel posts as my caption and written the story in the carousel post using multiple slides that people can flip through and read and engage and then include a call to action on the last one to kind of hear their thoughts. So that's been a really, really great way to share my story. But the best way to share your story will always be via video whether that video is in your Instagram stories or whether it's videos that stay on your feed, utilizing video in order to create that connection where people can find themselves in you is always going to be the very best way to be able to share your testimony on Instagram. And when we talk about storytelling, it doesn't only need to be from a place of vulnerability. It doesn't always need to be from a place of I'm telling you something that is really intense for me or anything of that nature. Storytelling can be any anything. It can be, this is how I came into this recipe. One night, my partner and I were arguing over who was going to cook dinner that night. And I just got super annoyed. And I was like, you know what? We have these three things in the fridge. And this is how I came up with this recipe. <laughs> <laughs> Those types of, the types of context that come up around our initial topic, that is what gives us a great and connective story. 
It is one of those things that lets people know I'm a human being. And these are the regular everyday things that happen to us that I have chosen to kind of make lemonade with. And this is how I did it. So those are the really important connective pieces that really go out in terms of telling stories on Instagram. And I feel like things like that are a great way to get in front of your audience and share things with them and let them know you without being, you know, super vulnerable or like sharing, oversharing your life or whatever. It's just like, exactly. here's, here's something that came about, like why the, this is interesting to me or what mm -hmm. I want to do. But especially with video, like you're saying, you see that connection, you get that, you get a better feel for the person. Mm -hmm. And now you're sharing yourself with them without being like, you know, here's all my children on the internet or something like that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly it. And you talk a lot about that bloggers need to get out from behind the keyboard, right? Mm -hmm. To share themselves a little bit more and share what makes them, them in a lot of cases. Yes, absolutely. So the thing with blogging is that, especially if you are a food blogger and I would say a majority of your blogs are probably around different recipes that you've tried, different types of foods that you enjoy and things of that nature. If your blogs are straightforward, one dimensional, then they're going to rely on people going straight to your blog for that sort of information, right? So what you're going to get is a lot of people who want quick answers to their quick questions. What should I make for dinner tonight? What's a quick 20 minute meal? What's a meal that can incorporate chicken thighs? They're going to come to your blog for those quick answers and they're not going to engage with you in any way. And engagement is important. When I talk about engagement, it's not just the popularity aspect of it. I'm like, oh, people love hearing what I have to say, so I speak more. It's also being able to connect with your ideal audience and know what else they want to see from you. So you know your content is always perfectly curated to the audience that you have created. So when it comes to talking about that 20-minute meal and what we talked about earlier in terms of storytelling, why did you need to make a 20 minute meal? What, what was your time constraint here? Like, was I, was I tired? Am I a mom and of three children? And I only had 20 minutes to get this meal together before homework time and then bedtime. These are the connective elements that people really, really want to know. But that will also skyrocket your content because it's not just about the meal. It's also about the exhaustion from being a mompreneur, about the having so many things to do at night that you just don't have time for a longer meal. It'll appeal to different types of people who can identify and find themselves through different elements of your story. One of the things that Tim Schmoyer said really stuck out to me talking about this type of content was that if you focus on your beliefs, not on what you're actually sharing that's where it really the magic comes from and where the relation comes from like you're saying if you're a college student who really needs to get back to studying so you have 20 minutes you have very different content and are probably speaking to a very different audience yeah. than someone cooking the exact same recipe that has three children that you're just trying to feed because you've been working you know nine to five all day yes absolutely absolutely like for me there are tons of instagram gurus on the platform if you type in Instagram expert, there are going to be dozens upon dozens, maybe even hundreds of thousands of people who are who have self-proclaimed themselves Instagram gurus. But the difference between being a Instagram guru and just another run-of-the-mill Instagram guru, someone who just shares Instagram-specific tidbits, how to utilize the platform, how to mess, how to best utilize Instagram stories, what sort of hashtags should you use? Those are such basic tidbits of content that they become very run of the mill. And then it becomes that everyone shares them. Everyone can tell, anyone can tell you how many hashtags to put in an Instagram post. Anyone can tell you how long an Instagram story allows you to record. 
it becomes general content. What makes it better and more connective is adding the elements that are specific to what it is that you believe in or your own core values. And this is where brand identity comes in again. Brand identity is more than just the physical aspects as to how your brand shows up. So it's more than just your logo and your colors and making sure you have a cohesive feed and that it all looks pretty. I'm someone that's actually moving away from the looking pretty kind of thing. Like I have some uniform kind of structure, but in terms of creating a pattern on my feed, that's long gone. It's too overwhelming. It doesn't work. But brand uniformity is also what are your brand's core values? Where does this work come from? And who it is that you're, who is it that you're trying to support through your work? It's also the types of language that you use, your voice, how you connect with people. Your brand pretty much takes its own personality. It becomes its own kind of separate entity from you. And that's ultimately what you want. Even though you might be driving it, your brand becomes known for things that come up and can, are contained within its own identity. So yes, for me as an Instagram guru, I do teach the basic tidbits as to how to utilize Instagram, but I also take it up a notch by also incorporating elements of how BIPOC and queer women entrepreneurs should be utilizing the platform, especially when it comes to talking about matters of identity, talking about cultural references, things of that nature, and being able to leverage your identity in order to create a community on the platform. So it's not just here's how to use it. It's also here's how to use it if you are a Black woman and you want to talk about the experiences of being a Black woman and you also want that to create a community that is highly engaged with you and continues to want to see your content. Especially when that might be different from a lot of what, especially two years ago, maybe was very mainstream and was promoted as the right way to do something. And now yes. it is a lot more acceptable to be yourself and to celebrate your own culture and yes. your own voice. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. I think your timeline is actually very perfect. Two to three years ago, Instagram wasn't functioning this way. Instagram was very much value-based. And in terms of value, it's educational content, how-tos. And people wanted that sort of content. But it got generic very quickly. So then people start seeing it as very black and white. And in order for you to stand out, you needed to stand for something more. Mm -hmm. There's, I felt like to stand out before you had to stand out in a very narrow range yes. of, of parameters, but yes. to try to still stand out. And now you can, you have a lot more freedom to kind of share your own story yeah. in your own way. Yes, absolutely. And it also kind of goes to say that like, there's a difference between, and, and, and we're talking to food bloggers, you know, food, you know, food, you know, ingredients, you know, what's good. You are an expert in your niche, but at this point in time, it doesn't, it's not enough to just know. It's not enough to just be an expert. You also need to be utilizing your expertise in order to create change, to make a wave. Even if that change is in specific people, I want to help mompreneurs free up more time through quick 20-minute recipes. I want to help busy college students create quick dorm-friendly recipes. It's more than just, I know how to cook food. It's also, who are you targeting? Who's your message? And who's, who can you, whose life can you transform through it and what it is that you do? And that's also how you get people coming back time and time again. If you're just showing someone how to roast a chicken, they can go to Google and they can find 10,000 videos of someone roasting a chicken. Absolutely. But 
they want to see how you roast a chicken because of your stories and the way that you've shared and connected with them in the past, then they will just go to your blog or your Instagram to hear directly from you. Yes, absolutely. Yep. One of the things that I know you talk about is the mission of your company is to allow people to get their own voices out there and to be authentically themselves. And I feel like Another side to that question, one that's been brought up a lot more this year, especially, is how can all of us find and amplify voices that are different than our own? You know, do you have any advice on how we can approach that topic? You know, as a middle-aged white dude, I obviously have no idea. And it's something that I'm struggling with to use, you know, my platform to help yeah. find other people in a, a respectful manner. Yeah, that's actually a really great question. Um, and I'm actually doing an Instagram live this afternoon for anyone who is interested on creative collaboration um, and how it can increase your visibility and your reach, but also how it can be helped, helpful to leverage the identities of BIPOC and queer entrepreneurs on the platform. So for on Instagram, you are Tamika Bazil. Yes, yes. So for anyone who's interested, who wants to follow, definitely do so. My Instagram lives are highly interactive, so I would love to have you. But we are talking about creative collaborations and pretty much utilizing other people's platforms to get your story out that not only increases your reach, but also amplifies the voices of the marginalized communities. So for someone like you, Jason, this is exactly what you do. You give people of marginalized identities a platform to talk openly about their experiences, but also about their expertise. So there's a really big kind of standstill between people who are of marginalized identities kind of being asked to talk about that marginalization and not just their <laughs> area of expertise. <laughs> yep. And there's so much more to it than that, right? It really is very nuanced. There is an intersection between what it is that I do and how I do it because it's based off of my identity. And so when it comes to being able to create diverse marketing and when it comes to being able to increase the diversity and the inclusion of your platform, there are a few things that I always suggest for entrepreneurs to do. The first thing is get very, very clear on inclusive language. And that was great because Jason, right when we began, the first question you asked me was, how do I pronounce W-O-M-X-N? And that's how I spell women. I spell women with an X instead of an E. And you can find that all throughout the language that I use. I also use folks instead of specific pronouns to describe people um, unless I know their pronouns beforehand. All of these are ways in order for you to increase the inclusion in terms of who you're speaking to. It doesn't need to be something that you do with specific people or specific guests, but it should be an overall general change that you make to your brand so that when people are being attracted to your content, they already know that you are welcoming of them and their identities and who they are and that you create content that considers their lived experiences. So definitely getting straight on inclusive language is going to be a really, really big one. The second is, of course, amplifying, amplifying the voices of people in the marginalized communities. If you have a platform, especially for those of you who are food bloggers, you probably know really well the types of food that you create. But how can you bring on people from other cultures to bring it to start diversifying the types of food that you create? There are 20 minute Haitian meals. <laughs> there are. They exist. So how can you kind of incorporate bringing someone in that says, that says, hey, this is my niche. I help people create quick meals, but I really want to diversify the types of meals that they are intaking. 
do you have 20 minute meals that are African? Do you have 20 minute Haitian meals? And if so, can you come on and collaborate with me on a meal? That would be an incredible, I would totally watch that. (laughs) (laughs) Especially being able to connect with like two chefs in their own right who are able to now exchange information and ultimately make each other better. So not only is that great for your audience to see in terms of inclusivity and being able to amplify voices that are different than yours, but also it's a great way to learn and really be able to expand on your knowledge of cooking. And the last thing for me, apart from increasing your language, inclusive language, excuse me, and giving a platform to people who are different than you, either culturally or identity-wise, would also be to just take a step back and start to do your own research into what are areas of your business that you can start to increase different voices as well. I find that a lot of change happens when you change your direct environment. So it's more than just what can I implement outwardly in my business. It's also what can I implement inwardly and intrinsically. When I'm hiring, am I being, am I aware of who it is that I'm hiring? Am I hiring very linearly, even though it's a subconscious decision and I'm not, and I'm not seeing what I'm not seeing. And this was something, this is something that anyone can work on. It's also something that I've worked on, even as a queer entrepreneur, being a lot more just aware of, am I giving opportunities to other queer people? Especially as I start to expand my team. This is incredibly, incredibly important, especially from people of marginalized communities, because getting a job, especially if you are a queer person who presents as a queer person, can be very, very difficult. So you do want to create opportunities for people that they may not be getting in other places. So definitely start with your own environment, personal, professional, wherever it is that you want to kind of start to see that change. And you're going to start to see changes in yourself as well. I love your uh, idea of using more inclusive language. That's something that I've ironically, I've gone back to my Texas roots now and I've just started using y'all instead of like, see you guys later. Or, like, see y'all later. Or, like, well, I, I worked so long to break myself of any of my Texas <laughs> accent, like when I moved to Utah, but like now I'm going back to y'all. Oh, yeah. Um, and the collaborative part I thought was genius. Like, it's that's been one of the things that helped move my blog forward and my overall business forward was collaborating with other bloggers and to use that as a way to really make your own blog stand out too from the other 20 minute meals that bring in some of the experts out there that are cooking other cuisines than you like yeah. I, I feel like food's so easy to include a, a diverse array of like backgrounds and cultures because we all love different types of food and it's yes. very different from each other yes absolutely yeah and like it's, it's just, there's never, it's never ending. Food is going to be something that you can never know enough about. <laughs> and you're never going to know enough recipes. You're never going to know them all. So why not give yourself the opportunity to dive deep into types of food that you would never in any other sense encounter and giving that a platform. I know that like growing up, I ate so differently than a lot of like my peers And although I didn't feel inferior to them in any way, as I grew up, it did cause me to think about, one, how much differently my upbringing was than other people. Because, um, like I mentioned, my partner is African-American. And even though we're both Black, 
he has a completely different culture. <laughs> I'm learning to play spades. I'm learning to <laughs> I would have never encountered in my own upbringing. So it's a reality for everyone that there is so much more to learn in terms of being able to see and peek into other people's cultures and identities and see how it might change you. And you do some one-on-one consulting. You have an accelerator program. Do you want to yeah. talk? I mean, you've shared so much information over the last hour. Please <laughs> promote your program. So if people want more and they really want to work with you on yeah. a, a closer basis, what can they do to, to see more yeah, about that? Of course, of course. So I am an Instagram brand strategist, which means I offer services related to creating your Instagram strategy and helping you cultivate content that can reach your ideal client with authenticity and impact. So a lot of my services are related to creating your strategy and helping polish content. I do offer one-on-one services month-to-month on a month-to-month basis where I can create your Instagram strategy for you, overview your analytics, uh, change the strategy according to what it is that we're seeing, and inform your content. So what that looks like is me giving you content outlines, prompts, ways for you to show up. And then it's your job to then implement and show up according to how we've agreed, post whatever it is that we've agreed um, on and things of that nature. So that actually takes the guesswork out of knowing what to post completely. <laughs> and it's for the person who's like, I don't want to learn the platform. I don't want to, I don't, I don't care to figure it out. But I do want to be on there because I know that I have an opportunity to connect with my ideal client. And I think that it would be beneficial for my business in order for me to be on there. So that opportunity is for you. If any of you are following me on Instagram, you can click the link in my bio and apply for that. I only take on a handful of clients in per quarter because that can get pretty intense. So definitely hop on that if it sounds like Instagram might be for you. I also offer VIP days, which is an incredible opportunity for anyone who wants to learn the platform and wants to do this on their own. A VIP day is a five-hour day where we, from beginning to end, go over your brand identity, get clear on your storytelling, and we even curate 90 days of content for you to post for the next 90 days so that you know exactly who you're speaking to, what sort of stories would be most impactful. We go over your content pillars so that you know exactly what sort of content you need to be creating on Instagram and how to repurpose your food blogs. And that's going to be a majority of that 90 day content is us working on repurposing so that you truly understand how to use it and how to do it yourself. We come up with an entire strategy during that time, as well as curate the 90 days of content. So your strategy that's curated that day would be an ongoing strategy that you can use for as long as you need to, as long as you're on Instagram. And then, of course, you have three months of content to go on after that to really start connecting and engaging and building your own visibility. And lastly, my accelerator program, which Jason so graciously mentioned, is actually not coming out until June. But if you are interested, definitely follow me. I'm going to be sharing a lot more information as to what that accelerator program entails for anyone who is looking to create a service-based business or a coaching-based business directly on Instagram. So I have at least, I have three offers right now, at least for food bloggers. I think the VIP days would be amazing for anyone who is wanting to learn how to utilize the platform, wanting to repurpose their food blogs, and really want to do it in a way that is sustainable and quick because not a lot of people like to work on a month to month basis, but in five hours, you will have everything you need to be able to repurpose your food blogs and show up on Instagram on a consistent basis. 
That way you can put in the time and energy to make sure you're doing the right thing, moving yeah. yourself in the right direction, not spending it trying to figure out what the heck you should yes. be doing. Oh, <laughs> yes. And I can tell you as somebody who did that for a while, when I first started out, that if we want to talk about overwhelm and burnout, yeah, trying to piece together free pieces of information that you're getting from like different Instagram gurus and not seeing like the immediate turnaround, right? So like we're in the age of instant satisfaction. So for us, especially for anybody who's working a nine to five, I know for me, I experienced tons of overwhelm where I was like, I'm not making any money. What What is this? I'm doing everything they're telling me to do and it's not working. Why isn't it working? But yes, ultimately having a strategy is your best bet in order to create content that you know will convert and that you know will bring you the goal, uh, the success that you want. Well, Tamika, I appreciate you coming on so much. I learned a ton. I'm sure everyone listening learned a ton. I appreciate you being so gracious with your time and sharing such great expertise. Thank you so much for having me. Apart from the technological issues, <laughs> it has been absolutely fantastic. And I'm so happy to have connected with everyone today. I'm so glad. And thank you to everyone that was in the comments. I appreciate you coming on, supporting us, asking questions. And remember, you can join us live every Thursday when we record these episodes. You can ask us questions, talk to the other bloggers in the comments, and even see our smiling faces. Yeah. So join us Thursdays at makethatbacon.com slash live or search for Making Bacon on your favorite uh, podcast platforms. This has been Making Bacon. We're all about helping you serve your fans, grow your income, and get the most out of your blog. Till next time, I'm Jason Logston. See you all next Thursday. <laughs>